Hello, I'm Miles from the hit podcast, The Takes It Took. This episode was recorded when I was recovering from the flu, so my voice isn't all there yet. Uh, and on top of that, we all had to work from our own homes. And so instead of having Mariah doing all the audio uh, and making it sound wonderful, as she always does, I had to be in charge of my own audio, uh, and thus it sounds not that great. But, uh, you know, it's still a really good episode. Uh, I hope you enjoy listening to it and just try to, uh, you know, not think about how bad my audio sounds and the fact that I had the feeling that I had to record this part to justify why it sounds so bad. But, uh, I don't know, have fun. Here's the intro music. Alright guys, welcome back to the Takes It Took A Movie podcast. We have just been talking about drinking gasoline for three minutes, but this is not a drinking gasoline podcast. This is in fact a movie podcast, and we're here to talk about movies. And today... We have a very special guest with us. I don't know what you're talking about. I've been here the entire yeah, time. Yeah, I'm here. Um, thank you for uh, welcoming me, Mariah. It's really <laughs> great to be here. Um, no, it's it's me. I am the new person. Or maybe I've been here the whole time. You don't know. Uh, uh, my name is Wesley. I am Miles' older brother. I am the reason why he is a huge fucking nerd. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> It's, mm. I remember I remember the only reason I know of Minecraft is because I walked into your room once and you were playing it and you were building like a cloud city. And I was like, wow, that's, that's one of those cool. things that you remember that I'm like, I maybe I don't know. No, I remember because you were building your mind with a bunch of twists and turns so that the zombies would get lost inside of it. I don't remember that at all, but that sounds it, like something I would do. Isn't it wild how you can do something and it's like a very important memory for someone else and just nothing to you? Uh, yeah, it. It is pretty strange that it can happen, um, and it just, I mean, as a little bit of a segue, that is a thing about memories that will be talked about in the film today. All right, look at that. Oh, the, he's yes, mastered the leading. segue. I, yes, I am, Wesley is leading the discussion today. Mm-hmm. Based on the power of nepotism, I am able to lead a podcast today about the movie Your Name, but before we get into that, what movies have you all seen? He's a natural, guy. He's a natural. Actually, he's fire so me. Maybe he has <laughs> yeah, been fire me. Um, uh, I can go first. Mariah, go first. All right. Um, so since we last recorded, I've just kind of been rewatching quite a few things. And one of the movies that I rewatched recently was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, starring Kevin Costner and Alan Rickman. And I will say it is not great, but it's fun. And Alan Rickman specifically had a lot of fun with it. Um, he's notorious for he took this script, said, wow, this is kind of bland. I'll only do it if I can spice it up and add in lines about canceling Christmas and cutting someone's heart out with a spoon. And they went, yep, you're Alan Rickman. You can do whatever you want, man. And uh, he just really owned the part of Sheriff of Nottingham, and he's just the funniest part of it. And uh, yeah, that sounds just a grand old time. That sounds terrible. There's a lot of funny bits in it. Well, I watched a hilarious movie, a wonderful movie. It had my fucking boy. Hold on. I've got his name. Man Robert De Niro. Know <laughs> it had Robert De Niro. It had Jack Black and Will Smith. And he takers on. It was motherfucking Shark Tale. We almost <laughs> oh, watched yeah, that last night. Classic. Dude, okay, if you thought Cars 
had a lot of questions about it. If you're like, oh, there's a car pope, that means there's a car Jesus and a and someone tried to kill the car pope because he's in the glass thing. Shark Tales has got you fucking beat. The amount of wacky shit. Okay, why are there taxi fish? There's taxi fish? What? Because there's the taxi, taxi fish. fish, they swim faster than the other fish, so therefore they need to, they can bring them. But you can't get inside the taxi fish. You hang on. There's and then there's and there's car fish because the whales are like cargoes, I guess. I, <laughs> and then there's people fish, like Will Smith. He's a people fish. And then there's fish fish. The motherfuckers <laughs> got fish tanks. Fish fish. Okay, that's weird. I don't remember the fish tanks. I remember seeing Shark Tale when I was a kid. And being like, that was a film, I guess. The only thing I really remember is the like the whale wash he worked at. The whale wash. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a <laughs> why? Why are they cargo? It, they put the motherfucker in a trunk, which is a whale's mouth. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the front? Uh, it was. It was like one of those uh, concept cars. The engines in the back. Anyway, right. Stefan, what have you watched? Um, I watched this movie called Collateral. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Uh, I I don't think I've seen it, but I remember hearing about it. Yeah, it's it's a Michael Mann crime thriller, as Michael Mann does. Uh, it's not as good as Heat, but I did enjoy it. It's got Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx in it. Um, it's about Jamie Foxx is a taxi driver. Tom Cruise is like a hitman, and Tom Cruise like pays him. He's like, okay, I need to like make these stops, and he finds out he's killing people, and he's like, well, I'm gonna kill you if you don't do it. And Jamie oh, yeah, Foxx is. I seen a couple clips from that. It looked good, but yeah, I just yeah, yeah. It. It, it, it was it was good. It was worth the watch. Again, I think he is much better, but it was fun. It was why, entertaining. And why why he hair wet white? Yeah, I don't why know. His, his hair is his, hair, his hair is like silver, and they don't explain it. I don't know why. I will say this movie did a couple of things. One made me kind of like L.A. It just I don't know. It romanticized L.A. a little bit. Wow. And I was like, wow. And then I quickly snapped out of that dream <laughs> you, you just got hit with it? la propaganda yeah that's what it Damn. is and then the second thing is um i think it's like top three tom cruise performance um mm. especially since i i think tom cruise as an actor is not very good but oh, really? i think he does a very he, i don't I, I don't know i don't like him i think i like tom cruise i've come around to tom cruise i think he's a very good hollywood actor i don't think he's necessarily a very good actor actor um I think he's great in Magnolia and stuff, but uh, he does a good job in this movie. In fact, I think uh, one of the best lines of dialogue ever written for cinema is in this movie where there's a scene where this guy takes Tom Cruise's briefcase and Tom Cruise says, yo, homie, is that my briefcase? It's so good. It, well, I mean, what is he going to say? Like, yo, dog, is that your briefcase? <laughs> yo, yo, dog, is that your briefcase? Yeah. Is that my briefcase? Anyways, it's a good movie. I, I do recommend. Watch it. All right, um, All right, Wesley, what have you seen? I have, I'm going to talk about two films. The first one is Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Saw it's, that one. Yeah, it was a film by Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis DeLay. A bit of an ensemble cast. Two primary characters, you had Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez. And, uh, what was the name? Edgar Darvis and Holga Kilgore. Uh, the film is about a band of thieves that are trying to stop a uh, evil wizard who is going to kill a town, but mainly they want money and to get against daughter back. It's, it's a very good film. In my opinion, I thoroughly enjoyed it, especially as someone plays Dungeons and Dragons. How many, how many fun insights? Cause I have not seen it yet. I want to, but I haven't yet. Are there any fun inside jokes about D and D? 
there's a number of bits that are like related to DD. A lot of the spell casting are things where it's like, oh, I know that spell. That's reverse gravity. Right. That's this type of spell or whatever. Oh, that's the wild shaping druid. There's none that I recall where it's like, here is a character from DD in a specific character, but more of slight references that I I hope to people who haven't played D&D would at least still be interesting. Okay. I, I remember, because, yeah, we saw this in theaters. Um, one of the bits that I thought was funny because, like, I've played D&D before was when they're like, do magic. And he's like, magic doesn't just solve everything. Like, you can't just, like, magic everything. And that's, like, in D&D, you can't be like, a spell will fix everything. Spells will fix a lot of things, though. Especially Fireball. Do they cast Fireball? Do they cast Fireball? I don't recall them casting Fireball. I don't think so. Um, they got the uh, chubby dragon. Yeah, they have, they have the pudgy red dragon. Uh, yeah, does the bar try to have sex with a dragon? He does not. He uh, His wife died. That's not a real D&D Early on in the film, and he was does, sad about that's that. That's D&D. Everyone has a sad backstory because they have yeah. to. Ah, there you go. Uh, um, Hugh Grant's in it. He's D&D lore, right? Well, I have Hugh Grant in my campaigns usually, yeah. yeah. And uh, the other film I saw, I don't I don't know how much I would call it a film. It was called uh, Mad God, which was is a stop-motion mm-hmm. film by Phil Tepet. Yes. And so you've seen this experience, I would call it. <laughs> I have, yes. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I it's So it's 83 right. minutes long, and... It is this really well done stop motion film. The animation's fantastic. The visuals are all very weird and unsettling. And I don't know what the hell happened. Yeah, me neither. Um, I think I told Miles about it before when I watched it. And I was like, I related it kind of to like uh, if you play a Dark Souls game and don't pay attention to the story at all. And then you beat the final boss and you're like, yeah, I don't know what that was about. I don't know what I just did. (laughs) I know like what happened was very significant to the world and the people in it, but I have no clue. That's how I felt about that movie. I was like, oh, stuff's happening. That's a cool looking guy. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what this world. Why is there like little lint dust mite people? Like as slaves, I don't, I don't get that. Okay. Oh, is that, is that, is that a bunch of monkey men being electrocuted in chairs and and they're peeing themselves? Cool. Yeah, it's. I think. Can you just watch the whole thing on YouTube or something? I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I for I wanted to watch it for the longest time and it just wasn't available. And then eventually, I I think I had I had to get a Shutter account through AMC in order to watch it. But it might be more available now than it was before. Oh yeah, it's on AMC Plus. <laughs> yeah, I. You can't be. On, you can't crime. say that. You can't record. We, you can't record we do not it. recommend on this podcast committing crimes. You should pay for the media that you watch because it goes to the people who helped create it. I am going to steal. All right, that sounds. That sounds. Speaking good, of animation, boys. oh my god, we just spent what twenty minutes. Fucking. 20 minutes on movies we've watched. Well, let's get into the movie we all watched. This is your name. Stefan. Konnichiwa. Watashi no namae wa Mairusu. Do we have some weebs in the house? We we do have a person who took Japanese class. Oh. <laughs> Je m'appelle Stéphane Fonseca. Me amo, Mariah. I know English. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Let's get into it. Um, should we summarize this movie first or do... Yeah. Oh, three-person summary. Yeah, three person do we want to do three-person uh, summary? We have to do the three-person summary. There's okay. three of us. I don't know how to divvy that up then. Dude, every movie has a beginning, middle, and end. It's, it'll be fine. 
Okay, we'll, okay I'll right. take the beginning because I have it written down. I know, I wrote it down. I will I will take the middle then. All right, so here we are in Japan. We have Mitsuha, who is a teenage schoolgirl in a small town who wishes to be a Tokyo boy in her next life. Suddenly, she wakes up having switched bodies with a Tokyo boy named Taki. They're both super confused and think it's kind of a dream at first, but then their friends start referencing like, you were weird yesterday. And they're like, oh shit, that wasn't just a dream. Taki, like, for some reason, okay, well, not for some reason, I understand it, but he always starts his day as Mitsuha, as just, like, grabbing his titties, making sure they're there, uh, just double-checking. That is, every <laughs> single guy will tell you that is the first thing they would do. Yeah, that's why I stopped myself for, from saying for some reason, because I'm guess. like, yeah, I, whatever. We only anyway, get Taki one has- ball-grabbing scene, though. That's true. Head kitten, she she grabs the balls every morning. We need equality on screen. Anyway, Taki has a job as a waiter in a restaurant, and then Mitsuha has to, like, figure it out as uh, she is Taki. And also, Mitsuha has these, like, this elaborate ritual she does for, is it sake? Yeah. And I thought they were going to make Taki do that, but they didn't. Um... But anyway, because they realize that like, oh, this isn't just a dream, it's actually happening, they start leaving notes for each other in their phones of what they did that day so the other knows kind of what's up. Miles, take it away. Okay. <clears throat> so then, uh, shit, I guess I'll pick up on the thing stops. So whatever was helping them, or I guess whatever was making them switch bodies, kind of goes, goes away. And then it's Taki being like, well, I want to fucking find her i want to grab my tits so he, some more yeah but as but as me to her and then he goes to the town and he tries to find him and then uh he finds out that that place was fucking obliterated by an asteroid and everyone fucking died well actually only a third of the town if you paid attention but boo-womp. can i get a boo in the All chat right, boys well, so uh they he's like oh shit she's dead because turns out there's a three-year difference between these these two people, which I'm surprised they didn't figure out at all during their time swapping. At no point do they look at their phone and go, oh, wait, the fuck? The uh, year is what? But then, yeah. Uh, and then they go and he drinks some sake. Stephanie. Yeah, okay. So I'll cover Miles' tracks a little bit. Um, so when they did that ritual to make the sake, she like put it up on this giant crater mountain. Um, which mind you, they, they make this ascent to this like 20,000 foot inclined mountain, like five times in the film. No problem. She even carries your grandma up it. These people, they got some legs, they got some thighs, but anyways, he's desperate and, um, really wants to try and get back to her. So he goes up to the mountain, he finds the sake that she left there. He takes a drink of it and goes on this wild like trip. And he realizes that, oh, you know, she tried to go see him, you know, three years prior, but he didn't know her then. So they just kind of crossed on the subway. She gave him like a yarn that he was wearing on his wrist for a long time. And then I think at this point he switches bodies with her one more time and it's at the night of the festival. And so he tries to get um, Mitsuha's friends to like help evacuate the town. Should also be noted that um, Mitsuha's father is like a town council member. Um, so a lot of... He's the mayor. I'm not sure what his role was specifically. He's like the leader of town. Yeah, he's like the leader. So um, they try to convince him to evacuate people. He doesn't believe her, mainly because he's like, you're not my daughter. Like, who are you? You're weird. And so they start (laughs) just like committing acts of terrorism, blowing things up, hacking the intercon system, trying to get people to evacuate. They don't for some reason. And, uh, And then 
I think at this point he runs back up the mountain realizing like, oh, she's going to be in my body up there. And then when it hits magic hour, they're able to like see each other for the first time. And then they chat for a little bit. They try to write down each other's names and then snap. They're, they're back in their own bodies in the right time. Sad. They forget each other's names. Okay. Anyways, Mitsuha manages to get everyone to evacuate by talking to her dad. Time passes. They forget who each, they forget like all the information about each other, but like the connection's still there. And then one day they're passing on the street and they stop and they're like, do, do I know you? And they're like, yeah, I know you. And then they, uh, they ask each other for their name. The end. And then there's an anime song that I don't know how it goes. Uh, it was- I'll talk about the music a little bit. I do very much. Okay. I have some questions about the music. (laughs) All right. He's got questions. Uh, So I think it should, I think it should also be noted that Stefan and I watched this and we, the only one that we had availability to watch was the dubbed one. Oh yeah. Don't get mad at us. Not the subbed one. So like on Amazon, it was either the original Japanese version with no subtitles or the uh what? dubbed one so we had yeah. to watch the dubbed one so probably not like the best Why way to see they... it but <laughs> it was it was, it was the original it. japanese version i pop off amazon i guess but i guess I, subtitles would be yeah. nice yeah so yeah. i think that did kind of impact our viewing experience because we definitely wanted to watch just the subtitled one but we yeah yeah anyway just wanted to clarify yeah. that Especially before we get into it before we get into it and this is important from my perspective as we go forward i'm like not entirely, but somewhat weeb resistant. So it's harder for me to engage with some of this material, but it's much easier if it's subtitles. Just, I don't know what it is, but when that- you hear when you hear the English voice saying what they're saying, it's just like, it's hard to get into it. But when you're reading it, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. That is somewhat of a contentious thing amongst weebs or people who watch foreign language films. Of should you be watching it in the original language with subtitles? Or is it something where oh, maybe I can't read that fast or I don't want to look away from the action? And yeah. Let's do a dub version. I think the dub voices are pretty good. Um, Mitsuha's voice actress didn't really hit the mark for me. I think that in the original Japanese version, it is better. So if you are going to be watching this film, try and find it in Japanese with subtitles. All right. But anyway, just wanted to say that real quick. All right. I was going to ask about it anyway. So I watched, uh, well, the first time I watched it, I watched it with subtitles. And this time I also watched it on, on Amazon, so I watched it dubbed. And yeah, her voice actor was okay. Not terrible, but what are you going to do? Get what you can. I watched All Quiet. That's German. Well, I watched it in English. It was pretty good. Wait, so. like dubbed? You watched yeah. All Quiet dubbed? Oh, yeah. I didn't even know that was an option. Anyway, we're not here it was pretty good. for Anyway, let's get into it. That We are here for the 2016 film. All right, so this is a 2016 film by the director and animator Makoto Shinkai. I'm going to go a bit into Shinkai's life, things about the movies, characters, uh, just kind of in that what I have written down. So, because okay. this, as Miles told us, this is your favorite film. This is right? this is my favorite film. So really, I'm coming in kind of strong here. I think it's all it's all downhill from here. Not, okay. not biased at all. Not one. Yeah, I bit. noticed. I was looking at some of his other things, and I saw that. Um, it looks like, generally speaking, they're rated lower than this one. Yeah. Um, so he was born in Umi, Japan on February 9th of 1973, which this town is tiny, especially for a Japanese town. There are 7,000 people in this town when he was born, and now it's like 4,000. Uh, okay. We love a good small town. Damn. Yeah, it's it still does have a town mascot right. called Petliza, 
which is a small little gnome creature for some reason. Uh, he would go on to study Japanese literature at Cho University, which is was set up in like 1888. It's this very high profile university in Tokyo. Uh, where he was a member of the Juvenile Literature Club, and he spent his time drawing little picture books, tracing his passion for creation to the manga and anime, some novels that he saw while he was in middle school. Um, he would graduate from there in 1996 and got a job at Blockom, which is a video game company at the time. Um, they make a couple games called Wise, Dragon Slayer, Legend of the Heroes, some like known games, not huge in the West. And he worked there for about five years, making video game clips and just doing graphic design, some posters, uh, key art, things of that nature. Uh, in 1989, he made his first short film called She and Her Cat. You can watch it on YouTube. It's a nice little bit of just uh, a year in a cat's life, basically. Uh, that went on to win the 12th Doga Animation Contest, which is a independent small contest to help promote independent and indie uh, animators. He would go on to produce a couple more shorts titled Voice of a Distant Star and Mina no Uta or Ego. Uh, they received general critical acclaim. They were received pretty well. Um, he got to work on his first feature film as director titled The Place Promised in Our Early Days. Um, I haven't seen I so the first film I've seen of him is your name. I want to go back and watch these films. There's they're all very well acclaimed, but it wasn't until his second major film, uh, five centimeters per second, where he really kind of settled himself as a director. Hmm. Okay. Five meters, five millimeters per centimeters second. Centimeters per second. It's a little faster. A little faster. Yeah. Okay. A little <laughs> faster. Um, For a worm. Apparently that film is very depressing. So go into that knowing you're going to be sad. All right. Every day. He would then go on to produce his next film called Children Who Chase Lost Voices. Another film about just sadness and like, I think it was, it's about a kid who like their friend dies and they have to cope with that. Hmm. <laughs> That's, <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. So this, okay, this man, maybe we should talk to him <laughs> and see how he's doing. There's a lot of like, really, his early work is about separation and dealing with loss. Hmm. Um, what was his childhood like? Um, his childhood was not like, it wasn't a bad childhood, but he did. He had beef with his father because his dad oh, okay. was very much a person of, this is Japanese conservatism. This is how things work. This is how right. people should act. And Shinkai was like, nah, dog, that's not for me. Like, I want to be an animator. I want to make art. Is that a direct quote? No. Nah, dog. That's not for me. <laughs> nah, dog. Uh, <laughs> Fuck you, dad. The only interview I was able to find with Shinkai talked about how he just kind of rebelled against his father, what he viewed as authoritarianism. And yeah. I, I don't think they have a good relationship or even a relationship at all anymore. Oh, shit. Hit that, he hit that motherfucker with an OK Boomer and uh, left. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> left their, their dying little town. OK Boomer and dip. Uh... Well, that's depressing, but I understand why he makes the movies that he does now. Yeah, and then he would go on to make another short film called Stubbins Gaze, and then his work prior to Your Name, The Garden of Works, that came out in 2013. Okay. Um, Your Name, its first idea, came up in 2011. That's when he first got the idea for it, which, uh, if you remember, if you were able to really be watching the news at that time, that was the 
massive Tokyo earthquake or the Japanese earthquake. Um, and the thought came about because he saw a town that had been like wiped out. And he's like, if that was my town, that's sad. I, that's not good. Mm-hmm. And that I, uh, fun, fun fact. I was in Hawaii when that earthquake happened and I had to evacuate because of the tsunami. Mm. So we had, yeah. I, when, when I was watching the movie, I actually thought about that. Um, I was like, oh, you know, they've had a lot of fun times over there. And seeing this thing with the comet kind of reminds me of those uh, numerous disasters they've had in Japan. There's also like a more a more natural version of. I think I think we were going to say the same thing and then didn't. A more natural version of a maybe a little a little yeah. bomb that yeah. we made a little. Yeah, I was going to say it kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, um, that. I think that event really affected his future films because mm. um, he's done two more major films after Your Name, Weathering With You and Suzumi, which I saw last week. It like just released. It's, again, amazing. Right, that's new. Um, the poster looks very similar. Yeah, and they all three of these films deal with natural disasters and how they like destroy a town. Oh, okay, yeah, that is very similar. Um, but I think he's gotten a little more positive in his message. Because even in this film and the other films, it's more about connection and coming together and love instead of being like, someone's dead. Deal with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to point out, he it, they make a note to say not everyone survived the... No, everyone, the everyone does survive. Like, so they like say the there were injuries, time. but no deaths. Um. Oh. Oh, I think I couldn't remember. Miles, did you even <laughs> watch the movie? Come on. No, you fall I did. Asleep I remember them the saying. Engine? I remember them saying that almost everyone evacuated, and I took that as still people. I, I don't. But I. I don't recall that. Maybe might be a translation thing. In in the subtitles, it does oh. say that um, everyone evacuated. Like oh. there were injuries, but no deaths. Mm. Well, fuck me then. Uh, Production started on the film in 2014 and was given a budget of 750 million yen. That's about 5.5 million uh, U.S. dollars. Okay. And uh, Shinkai would draw inspiration from a number of comics and stories, uh, things called Inside Mari, uh, Ranma One Half. That's a pretty popular manga. I don't know if you've heard of that. Probably not. Maybe. No. None of these. I, I want to say that name sounds like kind of familiar. Uh, there's a 10th century novel called Tori. I'm going to fucking butcher this. Tori Kabai Monogatari, uh, a short story called The Safe Deposit Box, and apparently Interstellar as well. Um, uh, huh. There there was one specific Ooh. moment where I was going to be like, oh, it's like Interstellar. Yeah, so those were what Explains it. Shinkai said are what inspired mo- like the larger parts of the film. Most of those, all of them aside from Interstellar, are some form of body swap story. Mm. Uh, Ron, my one half is... Y'all seen Freaky Friday? I was going to say, he didn't put it down because he was embarrassed, but this motherfucker watched Freaky Friday. That's, yeah, that's basically like the closest US analog would be Freaky Friday. Yeah. Uh, Ron, my one half is like a story about a guy who fell into a first pool and whenever he touches, I think the water he turns into a woman and then hot water will change it back to a man emma the condensation emma, emma. i've turned into a woman emma <laughs> clear clear yeah something um might talk about this more and hate to sort of uh mention this deep topic i thought this whole thing was going to be like a transgender allegory 
and, and uh, then it I didn't become that. I definitely did too. Mainly because she was like, oh, I wish I was like a Tokyo boy. And then I thought they were implying that she wanted to go on the date with the older coworker. And I was like, oh, but it, it turned out not to be the case. No, I... Yeah, I thought it was like liberation for her by being yeah. this boy. And I was like, oh, interesting. And then, nope, misread that. Yeah, I, I, my take on that has been that Mitsuha was like, I want to be a Tokyo boy uh, in my next life because I just want the exact opposite of what I currently have. Yeah. She didn't like her town and just wanted something completely different. Um, Don't we all? The movie went through a number of name changes. Uh, the first one was Yumito Shirasiba in English is if I knew it was a dream, then it turned into Kimi no Musubi, your connection, then Kimi wa Honosekai no Hanbun, you are half of this world before it finally settled on Kimi no Nawa, your name. Uh, production on the film would last for three years before it was shown on July 3rd, 2016 at Anime Expo. Um, production notes from... Wait, it debuted at an Anime Expo? It debuted at Anime Expo. Huh. Uh, which... Is that a very common thing for movies like that, I, or no? I don't think so. I think that's something that they sometimes do, but not, like, consistently big-name productions generally aren't going to be. Okay. Um, the production notes of Shinkai had him working on this film up to three days before its release. Ooh. Mm. So he was what? doing, I believe, the editing at that point, and, like, just trying to get the thing done. Wow. Damn. Uh, it released... Oh, right. real quick, I want to note... Work culture in Japan, very harsh. Uh, motherfuckers yeah, work hard. It's, it ranges from, like, that's just kind of working hard to, like, this is actually, like, super abuse. Um, from what I can see mm -hmm. of, from what I've read of his production style and what he was doing, it would have been, you know, this is hard work, but not, like, evil. Uh, the production company, by the way, was Comix Wave Films, attributed uh, by Toho. Uh, it's... Release in Japan was in August 26th, so the month after, and then would have a bit of a delay between being released into European audience and then America, finally. By the end, it had a box office of 51 billion yen, or 382 million uh, USD, making it, hmm. the, at the time, the second highest grossing film of all time in Japanese animation, and I think the fifth of all Japanese films. Uh, huh. The number one at time was Spirited Away by Miyazaki, and they both Makes sense. Yeah, they both have been usurped by uh, what was it Demon Slayer, the Demon Train movie mm. that got like five hundred oh, million dollars yeah. USD. Yeah, I remember. I want to say it was when I went to go see Dunkirk. I was either going into the movie or leaving the movie. I saw a poster. This is my first time seeing a movie poster for an anime movie in a theater, and I was like, huh. That's like why I remember this movie because I was like, your name. I was like, an anime poster in my American theater? What is this? Where am I? And I remember that very specifically. Yeah, I did. One of the things is, again, I saw Suzumi like last week. I didn't know it was going to even be released until I went and saw, I think, uh, John Wick 4. And then there's the poster for it. So uh, not really a whole lot of advertising for these films. Yeah, well, I will say, I mean, not much advertising in the sake of like knowing it is going to come out. But these are, other than Miyazaki, the only movies that I know of that come from Japan and are advertised at all in yeah. America. And even to the point where some people have called Shinkai the next Miyazaki, or like the second Miyazaki, um, a title which he yeah. doesn't like for a couple of reasons. Um, one of them is the belief that 
I'm not Miyazaki. No one can be Miyazaki. Miyazaki is like a pillar above us, above humanity, because he is such a um, <laughs> important figure in animated films and in anime in general. Mm-hmm. And the second one is he doesn't want the title because he doesn't believe that he fits in the same space as Miyazaki. Um, yeah. Miyazaki does like children's films generally, um, Spirited Away, Howl's Movie Castle, things like this. And Shinkai views him as, he says authoritarian films, but I don't believe it mm-hmm. means authoritarian as like uh, the governmental version, but more authoritarian as what right. his dad did, as like, I am telling you how to live. Mm-hmm. They watch Spirit Away and it's telling you be a good person, telling you how kind, like, don't take what isn't you. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. Shinkai doesn't believe that's his place to do. It's more like, oh, I'm going to tell this story, and if you take something away from it, that's what you took away from it, but I'm not going to give you life lessons. Yeah. So he generally tries to turn away that particular title. Mm. Yeah, I think it's hard when, I mean, kind of like you mentioned, if you're being compared to being like the next so-and-so, first of all, I feel like that's a lot of pressure, especially like, yeah, Miyazaki is insane and so if you have people going you're the next miyazaki i feel like that puts a lot of undue pressure on you that i don't think anybody will want to begin with but yeah, especially like this is the only thing that i've seen um like i've only seen your name but i mean i can definitely tell the differences mm-hmm. so i understand too like thematically how he could want to distance himself from that yeah i i think that's difficult too because i feel like that puts a lot of limits on you creatively if people are setting Absolutely. you up to be like someone else and also viewing it from like a western dimension being like, oh, you're the next Miyazaki because you're like successful sort of like anime director. And that really that really yeah. limits kind of how well, you know, anime films can come into Western civil or yeah, Western civilization, you know, society. That's kind of being like, oh, there can only be one anime guy at a time and not multiple. You know? Yeah, that is which, unfortunate really for these styles of films. Mm. Which we kind of talked about this a little bit with Police Story and Jackie Chan coming yeah. into um becoming more popular in the u.s with like uh rush hour movies and how even Mm -hmm. in china at the time with like um bruce lee coming before him it was like oh bruce lee is the guy and then when bruce lee passed away they were making all these uh bruce exploitation movies where they were having fake bruce lee's who they called bruce lee um lookalikes to do it and then when jackie chan emerged they were like oh never mind we found the next guy and it's like only one person can can like hold the space at a time Mm -hmm. which is just very i don't know it's very weird mentality to have i think yeah i think that is kind of a bit strange i think even in among like western main productions you'll find that where it's this is the guy for this thing if you want a big explosion movie that's a michael bay film michael bay's the guy who does that if you want like uh, an art house western kind of thing that's quentin tarantino that's what quentin tarantino does you don't really have someone else who fits in that space yeah so i think to just box him in and say oh you're the next miyazaki it's not particularly helpful for the genre or for the artist. Yeah. I, I do think that with his continuing films, um, I, again, I really hope he does more and will continue with this uh, past Suzumi, that he can create kind of his own name and bring more of this stuff over to the West. Um, but continuing with some of the little movie notes, um, he a number of those locations in the film are very real. They like literally he went took a picture of them and then that's the shot. Uh, three of the main mm-hmm. ones is the Shinonomachi Station Pedestrian Bridge, which is like the primary bridge they'll stand on. Which, uh, when like Taki's kind of breaking up after the end of the date with the 
his boss. Um, yeah, which, as, as a quick thing, I don't. This film does bridges interestingly. I don't know if Shinkai did this by accident or he just hates bridges. But nothing good happens on a bridge. I notice. Yeah, very specifically, there's the one bridge they show. Um, I think in Mitsuo's town. I, I think it's like when it's blowing up or something. There's a bit where the bridge like just being destroyed or something. I don't know why I remember that. Yeah. I, well, it's very. It's like a, a trope for anime where like confessions happen on bridges yeah. all the lovey-dovey stuff happens well, on bridges Bridges are a con- they're a connection this one was very like yeah i was gonna say i don't know if he's just i know literary speaking bridges are a good theme of just like connecting two things and there's already kind of the, the visual themes of like the strings kind of connecting them i, I will be talking about the strings uh, later for as like major themes but yeah for yeah, some reason this is one of my favorite things about the movie is kind of some of the visual motifs uh yeah, but in this, bridges are like, bridges are bad. They're for breakups. They're for being alone. They're not a good thing. Yatsuya Station is like the primary tram that they have. And the stairs at the end of the film are from Suga Jinja, which is in, sorry, in Shinjuku. Uh, the, oh, I know. I know motherfuckers are taking a pilgrimage to the stairs. I would stairs, not be surprised. It's, to those stairs. Like the Joker stairs? Yeah. <laughs> they're... they're going to the promised uh, land. I think that particular staircase is actually used in a number of different animes and mangas. I think it's like pretty iconic, which is weird because it's like literally just this staircase. It's kind of big. Mm. Uh, well, we got the... What's oh, the road yeah, yeah, the windy road. San Francisco. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we got the windy road. Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Yeah, places. A handful. Uh, the, the town of Itamori was inspired in part by his own hometown because his hometown did have a pretty sizable lake in the center. So that's what he used mm. for that. Um, I want to point out for this film had a very bright color palette. It's a very bright film mm-hmm. and very strong. Very colors. saturated. It, it very much is. Yes. Um, that's even in like dark scenes in his, all of his future films going forward have had that same kind of color palette. And I think that's something that Shinkai is doing as you know, like, even in times of darkness, things can look nice can look good not just visually but as like emotionally hey there's something else there's it, it can keep going mm-hmm. a number of x studio ghibli animators were brought into the film mm-hmm. so a lot of the shots had people who had worked on like my neighbor totoro had worked on spirit away so you had a lot of these really big animators to the point where i'm surprised honestly that the cost was only five million yeah do we know who did the like 60 fps boo bounce during basketball scene um <laughs> that one i don't have on hand i okay. i think it I, is I need to know i need name and address <laughs> we when we were watching that and that happened and she shoots the basketball and then it just zeroes in <laughs> as as they jiggle stuff and i just looked at each other and we we're like what the fuck <laughs> i think that the point of that particular that scene is like part of the movie hockey doesn't know or doesn't want to wear a chest binder of some kind mm. so it has been like this this is talking in mitsuha's body i will say if there's one movie that gets a pass for doing lots of jiggling booze it would be this one because yeah you could be like oh it's you know re-emphasizing that you know it's someone else's body a flesh puppet yeah but why is it always <laughs> well, just the girl that gets these shots like you know well what what is the guy supposed to what is he gonna do is he, he's, he's not gonna, gonna whip be... his dick out anywhere. No, but you don't have like anything of like 
her exploring his body as much. And I'm not saying like I want to see that <laughs> part, but I'm saying like even just like oh, I don't have boobs. I just have this regular bare chest. There wasn't any of that. That is something that I kind of Great. wish had been explored a little bit more, but that's more of a nitpick for me on this film. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think for what this movie, I'm, yeah, I do. Uh, not to neglect what you said, Moran, I think, I think, yeah, it was very un- unbalanced, but just in general, in terms of them, like exploring their bodies, I'm kind of glad they didn't do that because I don't think that's what um, the tone of this movie was. But I do think that was, that is a very important thing. <laughs> Like, cause I feel like if you're switching bodies with someone, that's like, for me, like 60% of the issue. And they, they focused more on sort of the, you know, fulfilling each other's roles more than it was actually like being in someone else's body. Well, Whereas that would be a huge thing. I think trying to fill in the other person's role as what, like who they are is more interesting mm-hmm. from a body swap mechanic. Right. Cause exploring the body is like, Taki does that Mitaha's body pretty quickly at the beginning of mm-hmm. the day and then has to live her life. And that's more of what the focus is from both sides. Right. I I think that's, I think tonality and thematically for the movie, I think focusing on the roles is important, but I do think in reality, being in someone else's body would be a little more of a focus than, than what is depicted. Yeah. If, if I'm watching a movie, I don't want to watch a movie about some other fucker trying to climb a flight of stairs with someone else's (laughs) leg length. Yeah, I, I don't care about that. falling. Your depth perception would be off. You'd be all... They do spend the animation on who's in whose body does change like pretty significantly in how a particular character is walking, running, how they sit. Um, it, it all changing as ways of trying to tell you who is in which body, and I think that's kind of more of how they're showing that particular aspect in something mm-hmm. like uh, Mitsuha and Taki's body continues to play with Taki's hair even though it's not hers. It's just a little quip that she has that she will just continue with because it's what there she was does. one part where Taki I'm pretty sure um they're swapped at this point. He he sits down, he kind of falls down, but he doesn't use his arms. He just sort of like f- falls on his knees and does the weird like legs to the side sit thing. And I was just like, "Why do you do that?" And I was like, "Oh, wait, it's probably that's right. It's a different body." Yeah. Uh in terms of who's animating what, the the main one that I found uh, for the one particular scene after Saki after sorry after Taki drinks the sake um, <laughs> was Yoti, Yoshi Toshi Shinomiya, who is a freelance uh, who is a freelance illustrator primarily. He does like movie posters and things, but that entire scene of like him going through this trip back mm, in time yeah. was all animated by him. Okay. Yeah, because that was that was a really fun sequence. I like. Yeah, it was that was a yeah. wild sequence. I think it is a, a. As oh, as we were watching it, we were like, oh, this is like the coolest part so far, like visually. Yeah, I think that one that is definitely a part that probably stands out as like the strongest visual scene. Um, and all right, y'all motherfuckers sleeping on the nighttime shots of the uh, comet. First, first favorite part. The 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 sake trip dream second favorite part uh, when everything explodes. All right, because like, the, the particular drink is called Kuchi Kamikaze. Kamikaze, right? <laughs> Kuchi Kamazaki, um, which not, not Kamikaze. Kamikaze. I was like interesting. Kamazaki, which is a is a real drink that does exist. That is how it is traditionally made. Okay, I assumed. Do oh, I had a question for you when they're doing the dance 
um, the like traditional dance was, was there any rotoscoping involved in that? Deal? That was a rotoscope scene. Okay. Cause I was like, it looked, it looked rotoscope to me. Um, they did bring in, they brought a couple of professional, uh, Shinto shrine maidens to perform that mm-hmm. scene. And that was, that was rotoscoped, which yeah. is a thing of like, it does stand out. And when I first saw it, I was like, this is, I think this is a rotoscoped shot. Mm-hmm. Oh, as a quick aside, I have a degree in animation. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. I'm, so later on i am gonna ask you about just like straight mechanical questions about animation Mm -hmm. i I was a professional animator for a time um there's not a lot of jobs in that field so i don't work there anymore but you are currently more credentialed than the rest of us yeah uh so it's one of those things of like i know you guys could have done it by hand you could have just watched a reference and done it and it might have been more of a thing of like honoring it by rotoscoping it and doing it like this is how exactly this person is meant to move that that was my take going on from those particular movie notes uh, the characters and their voices who their voice actors were uh taki in japan in the japanese version was voiced by ryanosuke amiki uh, who's a like a prolific japanese actor who's been in a couple of films as like a younger when he was younger he was a bow which was the giant baby and spirited away if you remember this is going to hmm. be a lot of like oh. me saying things that no one here has probably seen or i've seen <laughs> yeah spirit so he was the giant baby and spirited away um he was show the main character the main human in arietti which was a like animation mm. version of the borrowers i know oh, okay yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah the he's the one with the heart problem right yeah yeah okay I'm a weeb too, so I understand some of this. The stuff. English place. I know about it. Uh, I bleed red, white, and blue. <laughs> uh, if I mentioned something on this list, you probably you should say. see it at some point. Yeah. Um, he was one of the kids, Markle, in Howl's Moving Castle. Right. And oh, okay. Uh, we watched that one not too. The long English ago. voice was done by Michael Sinterklaas, um, who has Sinterklaas. Yes, a very long list of. Put your sword <laughs> in the chimney and Klaus, Sinterklaus will come and put anime into it. I did a long list of dubbing and voice acting. That's primarily what he does is dubbing stuff. Uh, for some reason, I didn't write any down. I don't know why. Oh, we'll I let it that. slide this yeah. time. Um, I did write the voice actress for Mitsuha uh, in Japanese is Mona Kamashari Shi, uh, who really didn't have many roles. She's a very, she was a very small actor. And even still is. It uh, doesn't have very many roles before. And like the only real role she had, she was a voice in Wolf Children, which might be the only one someone in the US would have watched. Hmm. Yeah. Um, nope. The English voice actress is Stephanie Shea, uh, who is a, another very prolific dubbing voice actress. She was uh, Hinata from Naruto, Susie Q in JoJo Part 2. Duh. Hmm. Is that a JoJo reference? That is a JoJo reference. Um, <laughs> though for some reason she used a pseudonym, Jennifer uh, Sekiguchi, for a lot of her early works. I don't know if that was just she didn't want to use her normal name or she wanted uh, more of a Japanese-sounding last name. Oh, but yeah, she's had that weird pseudonym. She had another one that was on like two credits. Uh, for the list of side characters, most of them were... Pretty small voice actors, voice actresses, nothing that really stood out to me except for uh, Teshi's English voice actor was Hamina in Gurren Lagann. Gurren Lagann. Uh, the anime oh, that... Not ringing any bells, sorry. I, I have a drill that will pierce the heavens. 
You have what? Uh, you're doing right. the wrong crowd. Someone in the audience will have no, will know Gurren Lagann. There's some listener who just like, <laughs> you fucking people. There's some listener who's popping off right now. They're like, oh, I, I've seen um, all of those. The largest? Sorry. Interestingly, the largest voice actress, I think the largest voice actor in general was Sayaka, Mitsuha's female friend uh, in Japan, is Aoi Yuki who is massive in the video game space. Like, mm. voices a large number of characters from the Fate series, which is an incredibly giant uh, property. Mm. Uh, she did Futaba in Persona 5, and she's the mm. main character, the main female character in Genshin Impact, mm. which are okay. huge properties. The Wait, the uh, the little one that follows you around? No, she's not Paimon. She's the, ma- she's the player okay. character, Lumina. Oh, okay. I see. I see. I've probably seen uh, memes and or lewd drawings of one of these characters at some point. I can guarantee. And because I'm such a huge gamer, I know everything that you're talking yes. about. Because I am the biggest gamer. You'll know these that are from. Mariah is the biggest gamer. This uh, is PlayStation games and a lot of like phone games. Duh. Huh. Um, moving on from uh, the sound of people to the sound of the movie in general. Uh, the music was largely done by a band called Radwimps, which okay. is a band. Yes. That was my nickname in That's college. They're they literally just named that because of the the terms rad and wimps. And they were like, we're just going to put those together. Right. <laughs> Best way to do it. Yeah. Um, they This was their first film where they did the music for Shinkai. And it's, it's fucking amazing. I love all their music. Um, I listen to... The primary one I listen to from this film is called Sparkle, which is the sound, the music from like when the clown is falling. Though, yeah, I was gonna say the song at the end was the one I like the most, or not the end end, but yeah, I want to say it's during that sequence. It starts with this like very specific like piano melody. Yeah, the there's one where it's like it's playing more in the because previously a lot of the songs are very much in the forefront during like a montage or something, and I think this one's playing more sort of underneath talking and stuff. I, I like that one. Yeah. Um, and Radwimps has become kind of Shinkai's go-to musical talent. They were featured heavily in Weathering With You and Suzumi and probably in whatever he's going to do next is going to have Radwimps because they keep producing banger after banger after banger. That makes it. Yeah, it's really hard, you know, when we talk about films and it's it's hard to get into them because a lot of people want to work with the same people and it's kind of frustrating in that way. But also it's like uh, they're making something and they have a vision. And if you're working with someone who is able to understand and clearly like help you create your vision, then yeah, why would you want to work with someone else? Yeah, especially when everyone else is watching is like, these keep these guys are great. Yeah. Redwimps had seen a, you know, a good amount of success beforehand. Um, I'm not too sure what brought them together. But they've seen a lot more success now after these films, and they'll just keep going. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally like it when a director and like a composer or musician just kind of keep teaming up, because I think it's really interesting when you can see the growth of the musician through the, the films that they've done. Um, it's like a fun little journey to be a part of parasocially. <laughs> yeah, um, there's, there's not really a whole lot to say, I think, specifically on that particular music. I think they do a really good job in setting the emotion for a film. And I will say, like, I, by and large, don't really care much. I don't think about the music of a film or what is the background audio. You and Miles, <laughs> it's like your brothers or something. Yeah, I generally don't. Yeah. It's just like, it's like whatever, it's there. Um, 
Uh-huh. Oh, oh, don't I know it. Don't I know it, brother. Miles, you're getting better at it, though. <laughs> I am going to get a little bit better, but my bitch ass still does not care about <laughs> music all that much. Um, but for some reason, Radwimps is just like a, a hard connection with a specific emotion and with exactly what's going on to the point where I can still cry because of Sparkle. Like, I, it is, I love that song. So that is the emotional impact that it had on me, which is frankly absurd from my perspective and just in general, uh, um, which I know probably you guys don't share that. That's my, that's how it hit me. Yeah. I'm trying to think that the only thing slightly similar that I have, this doesn't, this isn't even really comparable. I think maybe actually, you know what? I'm not going to say <laughs> this on air. I was gonna, I was gonna share like well, a guilty no. pleasure song, and I'm not gonna do it. Uh, <laughs> What's your it. guilty pleasure song? Yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't tease us like that. I don't, Mariah's not gonna know this one. I think I played it for her one time. I don't know what it is, but the one song from the the Kingdom Hearts games. You, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know, I don't know which you know song. I, well. I barely well, played Kingdom like, Hearts. When you walk away, you won't hear <laughs> oh, me. Okay. Oh yeah, I've heard that. Oh baby. I don't know why. Like it's like the only song, the only pass, the only exception of anything like that that I can be like I kinda I kinda I vibe with it. There are songs that I vibe with. Um I don't think there's any songs that like hit me so deep that I can get emotional. I have I, I got like five songs that really strike me deep and I play them when I'm like at my lowest. Yeah, I think there are songs that I have like a playlist of songs that make me feel, but that's like when I'm already like emotional and I'm like, let me just same <laughs> feel. But are there? But it's it's not really like I listen to a song and I'm like, fuck. Unless it's specifically a song that reminds me of like my parents or like my little sisters or something like that, then it kind of will hit me a little bit harder. But that's kind of it. Yeah, I am like, so what is so for you when you're listening to music to a song from a film or one that's meant to be a a background piece to evoke a specific emotion when you're watching it in the film do you like is that really something you're going to be caring about as like oh this is what they're trying to get me to do or is it a thing afterwards where you're like this is what it got through to me i okay i have one analogy where i can kind of connect and that is fucking duel of the fates mm. from star wars episode one and to me it's an afterwards thing so so it's like when I when I remember because like when I'm watching the Duel of the Fates section of of Episode One of Star Wars, oh, well, no, maybe it is during. I don't know, man. It's um, not my thing. I was gonna say the okay. I first of all, I meant to say this earlier. I have not seen a lot of anime. Um, one of the only anime series that I've ever seen was Cowboy Bebop, and that is that is a favorite of mine though. And there's a couple of those songs that can really get me going. Tank. Um, I was gonna say, didn't Cowboy Bebop fuck you up a little yeah, bit? Yeah, that one got me. How um, much do you fuck with Tank? Especially, oh, that, oh, that, that, that song's phenomenal. Yeah, and I love they have just a lot of these fun songs kind of scattered throughout the series. Especially, I mean, the the ending song, the very ending song, Blue, is wonderful, and I love that one. And all that's one of the five like I'm at my lowest songs I'll listen to, and it makes me sad. Uh, but I like it. Since you did bring up Cowboy Bebop, and we are on still kind of some just talking about the voice yeah. actors. Um, if you are going to be watching a, an anime or anything that has been dubbed into English, there's a handful of ones where even the Japanese director is like, watch it in English because they I, did a better I, job. I will say that, yeah, the Cowboy Bebop, the, the dubs are fantastic. I mean, I love Steve Bloom. Is that, that's his name, right? Yeah, yeah I think the so. Just Spike. 
he, I, I mean, I love his voice, and yeah, his his voice acting is phenomenal, and I, I really like Cowboy Bebop. It's like Cowboy Bebop and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, where it's like, you watch this in English because they did a better job. That, that's the other one that people highly recommend. Uh, but moving past uh, the music and all that, there's just a couple last little tidbits about the film I want to mention. Some I have mentioned before about how they do the animation stylings of the characters being in different bodies, how, like you had mentioned, um, Mitsuha and Taki's body will sit differently than when Taki is just sitting there and he has his legs forward and up because it doesn't matter for him. Mm. Strength obviously doesn't transfer between the bodies. Uh, Taki is like struggling to carry his grandmother or Mitsuha's grandmother, though in his male body probably wouldn't issue. Though dexterity Mm. is not affected, even muscle memory, because Taki is a very, very good architectural artist that carries over to Mitsuha's body. Or the uh, the sewing, embroidery and stuff. Yeah. So those... Even the basketball, he's right. able to carry yeah. over really He does well. carry the ball for like a step or two at the end before he shoots, so oh, could have called foul there. He travels? He travels a little bit. Damn, he fucking oh. travels? Oh my god. That People fucker. weren't looking at the feet, though. <laughs> maybe he was. Oh, well, maybe somewhere. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <it>? Speak for <laughs> yourself. <laughs> oh, those dogs are barking. They're whining. There are, there are a couple... So, when it's revealed that there's been this time difference and the town is destroyed is fucking mm-hmm. gone. Um, what was like, how did you feel about that? Did you sense that was kind of coming or was it just like, Holy shit. Um, I didn't, I didn't anticipate that at all. I, I just didn't like, anticipate it. I, I thought maybe something happened to her because they stopped switching bodies and it did the really short kind of like cut when she was like standing out in the night. So I was like, I, I wonder if she like died or something. Um, and then, yeah, they get up there in their crater and I was like, Oh yeah, that explains it. That's what happened. Um, and that would do like, it. Well, it, and it's funny that because would do it. they just revealed, they were like, I forget how it happens. I think maybe when the like waitress sees his drawing. It's the uh, the chef of the restaurant they're at yeah. recognizes it. He's like... Because he's from oh, the, the town. He's standing next to the uh, Pizza House dad in like one of the rallies. Oh, he's actually... Oh, you oh. actually see him. Yeah, you do it. see him. It's, oh, that's cool. There's a lot in this um, film that is in the background that you wouldn't know and like really notice. Okay. But, but yeah, there, there's a bit where he's like, oh, that's where the comet hit. And I was like, you mean to tell me a comet hit like a couple days ago and no one's talking about this? And then they revealed it was like three years ago. And I was like, okay, that makes more sense. Um, Even still, like, I feel like that's a very notable thing that you would remember and be like, oh, yeah, I forgot that that happened. Like in my that country. That would be insane if that happened. That's like a big thing to happen. I think it's because the town well, is so just so I, small. It's like that was a news story for maybe a week. And if. Especially a high school student probably isn't going to be watching or caring that much. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Yeah. I was going to say, it, like, imagine some high school student now, three years in the future. If you were like, "Hey, remember when that train derailed and oh. poured toxic chemicals all over a town?" They're probably like, "Oh yeah, I, I guess." It's actually a very good that's analogy. A very good connection. Yeah. Yeah. So that was something where it's like, <laughs> yeah, talking probably wouldn't be noticing that too much um but they do show a, a number of times in the film that there is this time difference uh, there's like a part where it shows them both looking at their phone it shows the same date but underneath that it has different days it's like monday and thursday um, right okay. yeah i did not I did you're not, not gonna notice that i think it was hard too because you know the the phones are all in they're all in is it kan- kanji uh yeah no. They'd be in, they would be in kanji. And so, uh, you know, it was hard for, uh, yeah, I can't even. And like, oh man, seeing, seeing a keyboard 
sing Japanese keyboard on a phone. Wild. Yeah, they so they like they swipe for different things. Yeah, um, they have like Peninsula. calendars that's like ones in 2016 and ones in 2013. And okay, these that is literally my only gripe with the entire movie is how they're in school. They write dates on goddamn everything at no point. They're so like, I, I would say they actually do off. kind of talk about it because they are constantly forgetting minor details. They they I remember the say. main things, but it's like they are waking up from a dream. And you, in a dream, you remember right. big things, but you don't remember little minutia, like a date. Yeah, that, that'd be the counter if I had to pick one. I'd be like, yeah, they seem to... Free- I mean, they were even like forgetting each other's names and stuff, so i just say it forgot. The one thing, my other, uh, like a little gripe I had with this was when it goes to the crater and the messages disappear. That doesn't make sense. Why would they be disappearing the what uh, it goes it's not to the like crater, the crater just appears and oh, all the, the messages they had like right start just phone. like disappearing i'm like why why didn't that happen sooner why is that happening now like at that part i was like oh that's just that, for, like, that one's effect. yeah that's I just like it. a little thing that yeah. happened i thought it was interesting as like everything is getting erased out of this connection yeah it, it was just like a visual way to try to dramatize it which going on, but it didn't it didn't make logical sense um they do also the grandmother talks a little bit about so Mita's grandmother talks a little bit about how she might have had the same experience um yeah yeah yes. she does she, she's like oh yeah that happened to me that, ha- that that's that's a thing girls go through or whatever well she mentions <laughs> it as like she knows that someone else is in Mitsuha's body and she's pretty casual about it as like oh you're someone else today and mm-hmm. i think maybe not like i don't know if it's a particular natural disaster i think based on her age it was the atomic bomb yeah, and someone okay. was in either Hiroshima or Nagasaki, and that's where they died. And then mm. the grandmother just never met them. So she doesn't have any memory of that continuing ex- uh, existence. But she still... Mm. Well, because the, the, doesn't the mom also go through I it? don't think so. The mom... So Mitsuha's mother has been dead like the whole time throughout the film, which yeah. uh, leads to somewhat of the father having an issue with the shrine because they are shrine maidens. So that yeah, that that was something for a Western audience. I really didn't pick up on what the the, the whole shrine thing was about. I don't. I like. I just don't understand the cultural like responsibilities and sort of how that works. So they when they're having like the flashback argument of him being like, "I don't care about the shrines," I'm like, "I don't know what that is." So I'll, I can go into that a little bit later. There's a couple more just minor small things where I talk about mm-hmm. like some of the yeah, larger yeah. continuing themes throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Um, you get you get parts in like the body swap where uh, Taki and Teshi become real bros and act like bros in ways that uh, Teshi and Mitsuha never would really connect like that. To the point where he makes a little cafe, which would be wild if your friend suddenly had good word working skills. Yeah. Or uh, even, even the... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I laughed when... I was like, oh, your skirt's ripped. And then, and then he, he, like, sews this little nature scene into her skirt. I feel like, what the, where the hell did this come from? What the? Yeah, that's yeah. where Mitsuha is using her knowledge. And she is just kind of, like, yeah. passively wooing uh, the boss. Her name's Mickey. Mm. And just kind of one of those things of, like, yeah, if someone else is in your body, they're going to be able to do things and interact with the opposite sex in ways that you wouldn't think about or be able to do, really. Um, well, if... You ever see me start eating vegetables or something, you know, something's up. Keep that in mind. Who are you? That's a carrot. What are you doing? <laughs> Another thing is that between the initial first meeting they have of Mitsuha uh, seeing Taki on the train where it's in the past, uh, you get that bit where they're like the same height. And then three years later when they meet at the edge of the crater, he's like a foot taller. 
You gained a lot of height. Yeah. My boy hit puberty. Uh, he also doesn't seem to like that Mitsuha cut her, uh, cut her hair because he looks kind of down on that and he even seems to miss playing with it. But on <laughs> short, to... Short hair gang. You know, I'm sure I'd have the same problem. <laughs> I think if I saw bodies with someone and they had hair, I'd, if, if they shaved their head, I'd be like, oh, like, oh well, mm, I'm the same length as my hair now. Yeah. Short mm. hair, girl gang, uh, gang gang. But one of the things to segue into is the concept of the red string, the red thread of fate which mm-hmm. is a persistent theme throughout this film and it is more directly referenced in the end of the film by the time where mitsuha is handing literally handing a red string over to taki right. uh, for those who don't know the red string of fate is a china it's a it's an asian theme or an asian idea a myth of two people being connected throughout time, place, circumstances, through everything, where they have this invisible red string that connects them and will eventually bring them together. In the original Chinese myths, it's around the ankle. In Japanese myth, it started where it was around the men's thumb and the woman's pinky. Now it's just changed to it's around your pinky and that's it. Hmm. Um, Interesting. And it is used earlier on in the film as a way of telling you who's in whose body. As, as a way of... Okay. Uh, because if they're in their body, they're wearing it. If they're in the other person's body, they're not. Because Mitsuha and Taki's body has yet to give him the string, so he's not wearing it on his wrist. She doesn't know he has it. Oh, right. Is it, yeah. Taki, on the other hand, knows Mitsuha has it, but doesn't know how to fucking tie her hair like that. It's an insane process. So he just goes with the ponytail because mm. it's easy. Right, okay. Respectable. Going on to the the Shrine Maidens, which is another thing for Mitsuha's part of the film. She is a Shinto Shrine Maiden. They are called Mikos, and they serve to for as a uh, somewhat of like a religious religious religion aspect and a history aspect. Hmm. Um, it's very much part of Japanese culture, and as somewhat morphed over time, now it's just like oh, they do ceremonies and the like the dances. The dance that was done in the film is. For the film, it was made for that, and it is a storytelling event of the comet Tiamat coming down and creating the town. Hmm. Ah. So it okay. so it's a storytelling myth, or well, fact, um, that has morphed into what made the town and what made the shrine. Uh, the, that particular type of dance is called a Kagura, and will be performed by Mikos to, for these spiritual purposes, and in part will make that uh, the rice wine, or the rice sake, which was then offered to uh, the place between life and death, which was a very nice like little valley in this comet. That place has a lot of comet strikes, really. It's not very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> the comet itself is called Tiamat, which is the is a Mesopotamian goddess of the sea and groundwater, and it's a, the symbol of primordial which creation. So would make sense for a town that has a lot of crater lakes. Yeah. Yeah, to have to name it after the. Uh, old goddess of literally the most primordial creation that can exist you told me she got fired uh, her role well she, i guess she kind of got fired when mesopotamia was gone damn and there's no more babylonia myth, so job economy is tough <laughs> it's hard being a god. really being a god it's kind of morphed into like one or two things nowadays um another one is by the end of the film the use of twilight um as a point of connection it's kind of seen as a point between the living and dead between light and dark so uh day and night so that's why they're able to meet each other through this time bridge is because it is twilight right okay and that is all the particular notes i have on the film i've talked about everything else 
So, okay. questions, comments uh, about the film, until I remember something else. Hello, yes. Leslie. I have a question. I have a question. I'm going to raise my hand. Uh, yes, in the back. Uh, hello. I have a question about animation. We have asked this question in previous podcasts, but none of us truly know the answer. How the hell do you sync audio with animation when you're actually drawing the frames? How do you know? Oh, I. that reminds me of something I forgot for Shinkai's part. All right. Hell yeah. Look at me go. <laughs> When Shinkai did this film, he did it in a sort of an interesting way because he first wrote out the film, as you would do, and then normally in animation, you would storyboard it and then add the voices to the storyboard and then animate to a voiced scenes. Or you'd have things timed out and if things need to get changed, you could have them come back and re-record lines, things of that nature. But largely, to answer your question, um, you would have the voices and you would have music and you'd have the sound effects before you start animating. Right, but like... Like when you're going frame by frame. Oh, okay. So in that... And you're like... So what you would do in that is either you would maybe have a recording of the people who are doing the voice acting. You would say it yourself and just animate your own mouth movements. I'm, are you talking about mouth movements specifically? Or oh, in like, general? Sorry, I kind of <laughs> cut you off there. Yeah, so you have you have your clip of audio. I, I Miles, I think the answer might be just be good. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just need to like, be good. Like you, you have. Let's say you have like a recording of the audio, and you know it's ten seconds long. Do you just go, "All right, I know how to animate that at, at ten seconds"? The way I would imagine it is, you have like a fucking waveform underneath your timeline for audio or your timeline for the visuals, and you're like, "Okay, the fucking like audio peaks right here," and I'm pretty sure that is a O sound. So let me draw a little O. For the mouth i think i think it's probably a combination of you know y- yeah using reference materials are important and then you act it out because you know a lot of what we say is said also in our body language at the same time so you could probably do a majority of the animation of the body and then kind of do the lips secondary and just kind of the phonemes and the sounds and things like that yeah that's primarily it's pretty much a mix of both those things actually because when um, i was animating we primarily did 3d animation i'm not great at drawing so when I would animate something in 3D using Maya, I would have a audio waveform at the bottom of it that would be the exact length of what I'm animating and whatever they had recorded and then proceed to animate from that. And yeah, when there's particular, if you're, I'm, I'm listening to it all the time, when there's particular mouth shapes that are very important, O's, P's, M's, N's, T's, things like that, uh, that's where you produce very specific mouth shapes and you're getting those phenomes to get everything else in between and then with particular actions either it's something where you know how it's going to work oh i can imagine how someone's going to run or you do it yourself and you just film it and then you use yourself as a reference but so going back a little bit for shinkai shinkai did this in a very strange way and i don't know if he does it for the rest of his films but he mentioned it for this one he wrote the script and then voice acted the whole thing by himself oh for okay as a way of getting the timing of the film, I don't know why he did this specifically, aside from just getting the timing, but again, that's just really bizarre. I know um, this is a weird tie-in. I believe this was Aaron Sorkin. I cannot remember which movie this was, but uh, the way that he he's his scripts usually are longer than the... Oh, I think it... Mm, oh, you've talked about this before. I think it was Social Network. Yeah. I think it was Social Network. And he had a script that was pretty long and they were like, this is going to be too long of a movie. And he was like, no, I can read it to you in the exact like cadence and the style that it's going to be delivered. And I will show you how fast it's going to be uh, like in the end. 
and he read the whole thing and was like, oh, yeah, it'll be two hours, not two hours 40 that you think or whatever. And then the end time for the movie ended up being like basically spot on for what he told the studio it was going to be. He sat there, read it and said, it's going to be exactly this. That's got to be. No, it's exactly that. That's got to be wild from like a direction aspect because you're like, I know exactly how fast this person is supposed to talk. I know exactly how long a pause is going to be. Do it at this length. Yeah. Yeah, but he's also notorious for being like so incredibly picky and specific. He doesn't like actors to change his dialogue at all. What is on the page is what you're supposed to say. Mm-hmm. And he has a very distinct style that like people interact with each yeah. other, like it's- with. Um, it's very fast paced, very quick back and forths. So, like, when you know his style and you can sense it, yeah, there's definitely a rhythm that you can follow along to. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah just kind of, kind of similar. Once once you get it, you know, you know what the rhythm is. So, Miles, you had anyway. Side note, you had another question. Uh, next question. We all know uh, American Animation shot or I guess drawn on twos fifteen frames, fifteen or twelve? No, 12. 15? 15 well, frames it a on second. If they're filming on, they're doing it on twenty four. Uh, 29.96 right do you have a general do you know what they what frame rate they shot at what uh what they drew on um i don't know the exact frame rate i'm gonna say it was probably uh twos on probably on on 30 about 15 frames a second though scenes like like talkies uh fall through space that was probably done on ones and because it was just but okay, so generally their animation style is the same. Yes, yeah, as... it's following the same animation style, drawing on twos. Okay, got it. I didn't know if that was like a an American or a Western specific idea of animation, or if it was just an overall everyone does it. Any other questions about animation uh, that relate to the film or in general? Um, I don't know. Do you have any tidbits about? I mean, this isn't super exciting, or I don't really have questions about it. But obviously, you know, they use some like. Th- 3d models at times especially for like the cars and things like that Um, yeah i believe there's a time where a cell phone was like 3d i don't know if you have any thoughts on that uh that's just that's just a cost-saving measure that is really more of look drawing cars is hard drawing and moving is really annoying just drawing 20 moving cars yeah just get the get the base drawing down get some models put them over it make it look good and we'll just call it a day because you're not really paying attention to that right you know who wouldn't have done that you know who would have gone through the effort of handstakingly animating each one of those cars? My mom. Richard, Richard Williams. Richard Williams. Shout out to our boy Richard Williams. Richard Williams is a absolute psychopath. He's a beast. Who made um, the Bible of animation yes. and uh, failed. We talked about him in our uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit episode. I if got, you have not listened to that I yet. did listen to it. Um, did you end up talking about The Thief and the Cobbler? I, I think I brought it up briefly because I love that movie. And um, uh, I think I talked to Miles about a little bit. Did you watch the? This is just because of animation. Did you watch the normal version or the recobbled edition? I I watched the recobbled. Okay, so watch the the proper version. Yeah, so it's got like collections of some of the unfinished scenes and stuff. Um, All right, uh, but yeah, fantastic film. That's old stuff. Side tangent. Uh, comments on your name. What? How'd you how'd you feel about the movie? What? Uh, what yeah, let's about? let's hop into it. Let's hop into our our thoughts, our mm-hmm. opinions. Okay. Who wants Maybe at the end of it, we'll, we'll rate it? Maybe. A rating? Do we do that here? We, mm, we rate I think things. we do. I think you do. I'm usually just in the closet. Okay, uh, who wants to go first on movie stuff? I'll go first. Okay. I like this movie. I think it's pretty good. Um, golly gee, I like the art style. Uh, well, I guess not, like, when I say art style, I don't mean 
the typical, you know, anime faces. Because, like, with with Western art style, you can be like, you know, there's, like, American dad art style, and there's uh, Rick and Morty art style. I was style. like, please, for the love of God, be able to think of something other than American dad. <laughs> uh, but... The, like like how they drew uh environments i really like so like how they draw the towns how they draw you know basketball courts or subway stations i, I would describe like it as that. very rigid it's very academic it's very precise everything everything yeah. is very precise i would say it as like and then the amount very of real feeling yeah the amount of color they add because we were talking earlier uh it is very vibrant mm-hmm and I like the vibrancy. If so, in terms of in terms of his vibrancy, this is a very bright film. If you watch Weathering with You, the film he does after this one, um, there's a lot of water in that film, and there's a lot of reflections in that film. So it is a very very bright film. Mm, okay. Oh god, I'm sure that was fun to have to do. <laughs> but man, when I first watched this movie, I I legit thought that shit was gonna end with them never having truly met each other, and they're gonna like pass each other and then never meet and i was like what the fuck this is sad and then they met and i was like thank that God. is something that about the, like the last 15 minutes of this film could cut at like 10 different locations because you yeah. have a part where it's like all right he's woken up it could end there who knows what happened maybe they survived maybe they didn't you have the part where now it's in the future and they're showing that they both survived okay they could end there whatever and then they're passing in the train and there now it's sad if it ended at them walking past each other on the staircase, that would have killed me. I would have died because that would have been <laughs> I think so immensely sad. I think each of those options, like you mentioned, like being able to cut in multiple areas. Yeah, I think it really changes the meaning and intention of the film and what what you can take away from it. Another, um, and I find that yeah. very interesting. Another movie I remember having that very distinct thought about was Parasite. Uh, towards the end, there's a couple of moments where I kept thinking it was going to end and then it didn't. And there's like fake outs and it just kind of keeps going. This is why I think Shinkai kind of had a change in how he wanted his film to be perceived or how he wanted the films to end. Considering from his previous films, which are all about separation and loss. In this one, mm-hmm. they do connect. They do get back together. And I think they're even seen in Weathering With You as like... A couple for a bit or it's like in between before they met. yeah interesting but overall a very a very beautiful movie uh a very heart-wrenching movie it plays with with your heartstrings a lot i don't know it would have killed me more if, if it had ended without them ever truly meeting each other i don't know if i would have liked it more i think it would have had a, a harder impact but who's to say whether or not it would be good um again the most recent version i watched was in english and the voice acting kind of didn't do an amazing because I know the Japanese version is is great. Uh, the subtitle version not bad, but it did leave some to the imagination. But uh, overall, highly enjoyed. Okay. Plot very good as well. I like plot. I'm not superficial. Okay. Uh, I can go. Stuff you want to go? I was gonna go. You can go. Take it away. Uh, so, okay, you can go. You want me to go? Take okay. this hot potato from All my right, hands. I'll take it. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a very beautiful movie. Uh, again, I haven't seen a lot of anime, and what I'm used to is kind of more of the fantastical stuff, kind of like Miyazaki, you know? So seeing this sort of hyper-real, precise art style was fun. The saturated colors, all of that. Um, uh, there's a couple of, you know, a lot of the visual motifs and a lot of the visual storytelling I really liked. You know, one thing I thought was fun was 
they kept repeating the shot where it's like the camera's just smack dab in the middle of the track of the sliding doors. And it would be like the sliding door on the sort of like subway tram car. And then it would be the sliding door of, you know, the wooden sliding door they have in their homes. I don't know what, what those are called. Um, and I just felt like that was a really fun way to just sort of draw the difference of their living. You know, the life that they have. One's in Tokyo, you know, all sorts of science happening there, you know. Um, so things like that. Yeah, I like the, the visual motifs of the string fate um there's even a bit where there's like an umbilical cord during the sort of sake scene where it's like oh yeah even more sort of line destiny life connection all of that happening i don't think i was the target demographic <laughs> for this um i'm a, i'm also just kind of like a little wee resistant and like i'm 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 personally i don't mean this in an offensive way i'm personally not incredibly drawn to japanese culture you know, that's not like a huge, I, I, it's not to say I'm like, get out of here, but it's just like, it doesn't, it doesn't pull me in. Yeah, Stefan, are, um, are you a racist? <laughs> <laughs> um, it just doesn't pull me in. And also just like school kid things. I'm also just like never, ever really, I don't connect with whenever, if no matter what they're doing, if it's just like school kids doing so, I just like immediate, I just, I don't know. It doesn't connect with me. Um, I think this is an incredibly well-made movie. It just wasn't my particular cup of tea. And there's some just kind of like anime-isms that are hard for me to get over. One, one very specific thing that I really don't like is when they do a voiceover inner monologue explaining exposition. Like, there's a bit where she's, like, running away, and as she's running, it, it, it's, like, doing the inner monologue, and she's like, ah, I can't believe they didn't believe me when I told them this. And I was, it's like, just, just, like, show me that, like, why do you got to do the inner monologue? I don't know, like, that very specific kind of thing, I it just, like, irks me. Um, but that's not necessarily a subject to this film exclusively. That's just kind of the style of anime things in general. So I don't necessarily hold it against this movie particularly. But I, I think it's a very good movie. And I do like the sci-fi elements of it. And I think, you know, yeah, the, the scene where he learns about the, the comet having happened three years ago, that was kind of like, I was like, oh, that was, you know, that was a, I don't know, I don't know if it was necessarily draw, jaw-dropping, but I was kind of like, oh, hey, you know, it was like, eh. <laughs> that's a good explanation of that ah. um so yeah i don't know that's where i am that's where i am with this also i like there's this uh i think it's in mitsuha's room there's just like this damn near hyper real teddy bear sitting in the room that caught my eye every time all right I'm nice done. mariah okay i don't think i watched this in the best way i could have and should have. <laughs> you should have stopped with i don't think i watched it I don't think I watched this movie. Uh, I bring you I've just been actually the best. Um, well, here's okay, here's the thing. Like like we mentioned before, watching the dubbed version instead of the subbed version. Um, especially I think like the music, the, like the translated music. I was kind of like, oh, two, and I think it would have that. It kind of pulled me out of the beginning and the end. Whereas I think if I had watched the subbed version, it would have not done that. Um, so yeah, I think there were just some like issues there with. Sorry, someone's being loud outside. Um, so yeah, I think that that was just kind of like unfortunate. I also had just had a long day and I just don't think I was in the correct mindset to watch this. And kind of like Stefan, I don't think I'm necessarily the uh, demographic target of this. <laughs> Pretty much the only anime I've seen has been Studio Ghibli. So uh, yeah, I will say beautiful animation. The landscapes, obviously, I'm like, I want to be there living in you know she's complaining about being in this tiny puny town i'm like it looks so beautiful i want to just go there i want to be there what are you talking about you're stupid for wanting to not be there (laughs) uh 
There were a couple moments that kind of confused me. There's that one part is like towards the beginning where uh, Taki wakes up in Mitsuha's body and he like grabs the boobs and it's like, ah, and then it cuts and then she's in her body again. And that, because I, I think it was like the next day, but that wasn't entirely clear to me. So it took me a second to catch up. But I liked the the plot twist of the um, comet and I thought the connection at the end was a very fitting end. Um, and I liked that. Yes. All right. Uh, you know, I go. can understand those particular stances. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. complaints. Right. I don't know if I really call them a complaint. It's just not for you. Um, this yeah. is a film that at the, at the beginning I had stated this is pretty much my favorite film of all time. I think it's a master class of animation in terms of quality. The story just... You know, I, I love anime. That's a huge thing. I'm a huge giant weeb. So these kind of stories and these uh, forms of storytelling is something that I'm pretty familiar with. So, and also I did see it in its actual Japanese with English subtitles. So it's a better viewing experience there. Uh, this is a, definitely a film that I would highly, highly recommend. I don't know if you guys would also recommend it, hopefully in Japanese. Yeah, I'm 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 glad I watched it. Mm. Like, like I don't want you to to think that. I'm I'm glad <laughs> yeah. that I watched it. I think I'm, it's important to watch films that mm. you normally wouldn't watch, which is one of the great things about this podcast mm. is that I've seen films I wouldn't have otherwise seen. So I'm very glad that I had that experience. Um, I just don't know if I personally will be rewatching it anytime soon. But uh, I liked a lot of things about it. Next podcast to come on, I'll find another anime that is a little more <laughs> a little more mainstream to your taste. <laughs> okay. I've, I, I've also seen um, a silent voice. So that's the other anime movie. Oh, that one's also really good. Yeah, I, I do. Good. I do like that one. That's, I'm gonna that make you guys watch like the, one. Like the high school DXD movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I I was around Tumblr in uh, 2012 enough to know that high school DXD has a lot of boobs in it. It does. Uh, so yeah, this is a film that. It is very near and dear to my heart. I have a number of figurines of this film. I have the box out of this film. I have basically everything you buy of this film. Um, mm. So I don't know if you want to get into the ratings of this. Who who goes first for that? Um, if we got nothing else to say, then yeah, might as well. Uh, well, real quick. They, so one thing you pointed out before we started recording. Uh, Motherfucker made an anime, not an anime, a manga Oh, to go along with this yes. movie. And it specifically is pretty much just the movie but with a little bit more. Yes, so there is a manga version of this. There's, oh yeah, I forgot. Paramount's going to make a live action version of this in America. Oh, Displeased. No. We, look, I'll, I'll talk about this. It's not. It's no surprise. Disney does this a whole lot. They make live action they movies do of their previous work. Time. And, and I fucking hate it. I fucking hate when you take animated stuff and turn it into live action. It's so oh so rarely good. I cannot think of a of a time it turned out good. How dare they? Especially like a Japanese property done by an American company. I think it's going to turn out fucking god awful. There is a little bit of a twist to that though. In that uh, they asked for it, the Japanese animators actually they they, they were it? like, yeah, we kind of want to. I think maybe Paramount had been like, oh, is it okay if we do this? Like, can we do it an American retelling of this? And Shinkai was like, that sounds kind of interesting. Yeah, sure, go ahead. Huh. I guess maybe it reaches like a wider demographic, I, like his stories do. So I understand the the draw to it. I will say, hopefully, like with this story, it's relatively grounded, visually speaking. I feel like where a lot of the like animated live actions go wrong is because they're they're trying to do something that looks much better animated. Like when you have so much 
crazy things happening that you can't do in real life going on and becomes like a CG mess. You know, just look at any of the Disney live action remakes. But this one, it's like, they're just people. Like, sure, you got like the comments stuff, but like visually speaking, it's rather tame. So hopefully that end of it, they can yeah. nail down. Most of it could definitely be translated, I think, into a live action version and done pretty well. It probably won't be great, to be honest. Mm-hmm. The only thing I have a question is like, what would you do for the uh, natural disaster? It's like a tornado? Yeah. Well, so, yeah, so is it- yeah, do you think it's it's going to be like in America or are they just- Yeah, they said it was going to be in America. <laughs> Yeah, they're going to be living in Tornado Alley, <laughs> and tor- the tornado's coming. <laughs> oh my! What the? What the fuck's the? Wi- we're doing a goddamn whiskey. I'm going to spit in this whiskey and put it away in this barrel. Oh yeah, they got changed up. I found my old grandpappy's revolver. I don't know. Hidden <laughs> under the boulder, under the, the crooked neck tree. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea what they're gonna do. That's just in the works. It, it's been in the works for like a while, so it might be kind of one of those things where it's kind of dead and no one's really working yeah. on it. Production hell. In development. Yeah. In quotations. Hmm. Interesting. But that's just a thing. It's weird. I don't think it's going to turn out. I think uh, Americanizations of movies goes very well. Just look at Old Boy. Look at um, The Upside. Look at look at Transformers. Look at, <laughs> a Man Called Otto. A Man Called Otto. All of these wonderful westernizations of things that only only ever goes well. Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> yeah, Ghost in the Shell turned out really well. Um, <laughs> this, so, All right, should we read so, it? Uh, a quick thing well, about no, this. I, I do want to know about the manga and the actual little yeah. bit. So that's the manga is basically there's there's five parts in the manga. The first three are the telling of your name as it is in the movie. And then parts there's two other parts which are the telling of the events of your name from the perspective of the friends and of the people around them as it's showing of how they're thinking is what is going on with these people? Why are they acting differently at random times? Why are they sometimes cooler or better at basketball? <laughs> Or more emotionally available. <laughs> Some days they just got it. Some days they don't. Yeah. If this happened to one of my friends, I would be like, motherfucker, you have DID. <laughs> like, you need to go to a psychologist. This is not okay. It's, it's basically a thing of if you wanted this, I don't know if I really would want it to happen or if it's just like, ooh, I want to have more of this film. Um, if the film was about like 15 minutes longer and had more about them and each other's body, uh, I don't know if that would make the film better. I, d- I couldn't really say, but I think that that's what, kind of what the manga fills in. But yeah, seeing this from a friend's point of view would be highly interesting. Yeah. And I... That is the one thing that I, I kind of wish I saw more of. Because they're always like, wow, you were being kind of weird yesterday. And then the friends, and then they're like, what did I do yesterday? I would be so concerned for my friend if that was their response. And I was yes. like, you you didn't know where you were yesterday. You didn't know where you worked. And then the friend's just like, was I? And I'd be like, homie, let's see, <laughs> did you like fall and like get a concussion? What the fuck is going yeah, on, they dude? They always do this in these movies where the like, character has amnesia or something. And they're like, a oh, funny bit, right? <laughs> you see right now. And then the friends are like, they're being weird. You're not uh, just like, some like, random teenager <laughs> going like, this is, well, I don't understand this is an issue. <laughs> well, you need to get an MRI, my guy. You, you need. Yeah, I'll rate it first. I'll right. pop it off. I, as I said before, I like this movie. I think it's very good. I think visually it's very good. I think the story is very good. I think uh, if I made someone watch it, 25% chance you catch me just turning it off when they cross each other in the <laughs> train and being like, that's the movie. It ended. So 
I will rate this movie eight towns with possibly the worst transit systems possible, i.e. imagine living in a town where to get to the other side, you have to go around a fucking crater. It would probably what are you suck. gonna do? Build a bridge that cross that? That's huge. There's only like t- no, I'm looking at I'm looking Swim. at a picture of the town right now. It would take you at least thirty minutes to drive across. Probably longer. It would be hell. And they don't have any ferry systems from what I see. Well, this is a anyway, rural town yeah, that don't have a lot of money. 10, very good movie. I would highly recommend it. If you're gonna watch if you're gonna watch an anime, like if you're Stefan or Mariah and you're gonna watch an animated movie from Japan, probably gonna watch Studio Ghibli first. And that's not something I hold against your name, but it's just, it's not the go-to for a Western audience. Uh, and I think that is kind of the separation that Stefan and Mariah are going to have mm. and why they don't, they're not probably not going to rate it as highly. But being acclimated to Japanese culture and their media, I can say this is very good. And I would certainly watch it over Transformers. The Tale of uh, Despero. I would... Taylor, that sounds so familiar. <laughs> I just hit him with the flashbang. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, what the fuck? What uh, the hell is Taylor? It's an Taylor's animated a- movie that came out in like 2011 or something. It's based on a book that I, I love rat. dearly. <laughs> the big, the big-eared rat. Yeah. It's a mouse, it's a mouse, first of all. Oh. How dare you? Okay, well... Wait, is does it have a vegetable man in it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I remember the vegetable man. Anyway, uh, yeah, I would I would pick this over Tales of Despero. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> eight out of ten. You could you if you pulled on me hard enough, I would make it an eight point five. But I ain't pulling on nothing. Eight. If you eight watched it in Japanese, if you weren't seeing the angle. If you watch it in Japanese, watch that. Okay, uh, I can go next. Um, Miles, you are correct. I am going to not rate it as highly. Sorry, Wesley. <laughs> How dare um, you? I'm going to give this movie six cow mascot costumes out of ten. Uh, yeah. I've, I've said my Anymore? bit. Oh, okay. That's right, it. I'll go. Um, yeah, I'm in a similar boat. I'm going to do I'm gonna do six and a half boobs out of ten. Um, <laughs> again, th- this movie An extra is, half boob. This, this does differ, though, my rating very specifically for this because I feel very strongly. I don't have any issues with the construction of the film. It's just, it's from a very subjective point of view, it just like wasn't really my cup of tea. But I think it's an incredibly, incredibly well-made film. Um, and I think for anyone out there wondering uh, what his cup of tea is, it's the first 10 minutes of Transformers. <laughs> that yeah. This man recorded the first 10 minutes of Transformers and we'll watch it over and over again. Not to put any slander on your rating. When I was in elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> but just to- You make it sound Miles, like I, I do that. Now. Your taste in movies cannot change. Miles, you watched what? a movie in 35 parts on Miles, TikTok. Yeah. And I will <laughs> never let you live that down. You. you didn't know who Robert De Niro was. I know who Robert De Niro is now. And yes, I did watch a movie in 32 parts on tiktok and i i think that that is the future of, no. of media <laughs> no god help us all if I it did, is I also all didn't right know TikTok read this movie um god i kind of hate coming on here and being and giving it this rating but nah. again this is my favorite film of all time it is something that i deeply deeply love um 
I think it is probably my, like what I would say is, is a perfect film and not I don't, like there are other films where I say like, these are perfect films. Pulp Fiction is a perfect film. Um, like Schindler's List, things like that. But they're always like very deep films, things that you'd see at the Academy Awards yeah. and things of that nature. For me, in terms of an animated film, in terms of what I'm going to be watching, this is a 10 out of 10 film. This is, this is 10 comets blowing up one particular town over and over again out of 10. Um, if you are someone who is hasn't seen this and you're interested in Japanese animation, if you are interested in... Uh, just a good story. Go, go watch your name. Watch the rest of Shinkai's work. It's all great. If you watched Freaky Friday <laughs> and just found it lacking and you wanted something more. It's like a little more heartfelt. Freaky Friday with more natural disaster. Yeah. A lot more natural disaster. So also, I like to imagine that for like every disaster event that this this happened and uh, someone was given the opportunity to try and save people. So, you know, there's a body swap at Chernobyl, body swap at Pompeii. That would well, be wild. So the Chernobyl one was a success, though. They they did it. I mean, compared to what Chernobyl could have been. Could have been. Yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah, maybe. maybe it could Chernobyl have been is a somewhat success story, unfortunately. Chernobyl at uh, Watergate. Wait, what, what did I just say? <laughs> Chernobyl at Watergate. Body, yeah. body San swap. Francisco earthquakes. Body swap at uh, Watergate, JFK. So that is. <laughs> no. I didn't say anything. I just said body I said swap. three letters. <laughs> Body swap at JFK's assassination. That now there is something. Think about it. That's why Zabruder was filming. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, Stefan, you're up next. What movie are we doing? Oh, 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 oh! Right, next movie. Um, I don't have it. What? It'll be a surprise. It. It'll be surprise and or uh, we'll record this when I record and uh, we replace this audio. I don't have it. Stefan, this is this is the second week you've done this. Hell? This is the second no, time you we hit. almost did it once before, but we didn't actually do it. Wait, did we? Hold on. Well, For with, do the right thing, you weren't sure. Right do the right thing, you were very close to not. I, know, I said it was close, but not quite. No, this one. Yeah, I, I haven't thought about it at all. I don't know. All right. Well, we're replacing Stefan with Wesley, so... Uh, yes. Okay. So, um, uh, it was great to have you on. Uh, the next one we're watching is going to be, uh, Paprika, which is another animated film that is way fucking weirder than this, which I also mean to see, but you know what? Paprika, it's got my fucking boy. It's got Satoshi. Yeah. See that one. I see uh, perfect blue. I watched millennium actress. Thanks to miles. Millennium actress, not his favorite, not his best work, but why'd you show it to me then? It's less hard to watch than his other two movies. His other two movies have some pretty. If, if up like if you oh, didn't like, I see. <laughs> if you weren't really into your name because of the anime way of it, Paprika is like gonna be fucking weird because there's a lot of weird animation yeah. in that. Cool. Well, well anyway, I guess um we'll right. figure out what the next movie is at some point. It'll be a surprise for yeah. you guys, so just stay tuned for that, I guess, and you'll see it in the next episode, whatever Stefan decides to do. But. In the meantime, you can find us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at the takes it took. And if you uh, you have anything you want to send us, comments, questions, want to say hi, you wanna uh, you wanna shit talk about how uh, Stefan and I do not appreciate Japanese culture, you can send us an yep. email at the takes it took at gmail uh, But until the next episode, I have a question. Was well, he yes. a question? Uh, if you send in a question that is not that is related to films, but not the particular film you're talking about, what happens to that? question are you talking about the email that brenly sent yes we did read that off in the last episode oh okay so this is something that happens in the past and future for me yes yeah oh yeah okay all right yeah Uh, i will note you're wrong yeah i was like now that you're here (laughs) 
what's going on man what do you, i don't actually know what was the exact <laughs> what do you, why do you it was pooping why, in the same pile yeah you no, think they're, they're all pooping, pooping in, in the, the same, same pile either <laughs> they are they're not either they are pooping in the same pile or the pile is collected by humans and put there that is not one poo. You think, what are you, you talking about? Oh, wait, okay. You're saying the the pile's too large, so logically. Yes. Okay, I see. I see how you no, came dude, to that No, dude, they're just taking though. fat. They're dinosaurs, man. They, st- like, they step on you. Anyway, yes, you can you can send in questions, uh, hypotheticals, what have you, not even related to movies that we've done, uh, and we will answer them for you. So you can do that at thetakesittook at gmail.com. But until the next episode, stay safe, have fun, watch movies, and we will catch you in the next one. Bye. Oh, bye. bye. I'm going to go back to my closet. <laughs> <laughs>